Hello, everyone. I'm Al Daldegan, creator and producer of the Leaders, Innovators, and Big Ideas podcast, supported by Rainforest Alberta. This podcast showcases the people who are working to improve Alberta's innovation ecosystem. This episode is hosted by Jennifer Morrison. Jen has over 11 years of experience as an educator and has received her Master's of Educational Leadership from High Tech High Graduate School of Education in San Diego, California. Jen possesses extensive experience in project-based and experiential learning and design thinking. Jen spent many years teaching middle and high school students, which provided her with a foundational love of learning and a passion for exploration in personal growth. Lead learning designer and strategist with Inception U, Jen provides valued leadership, guidance, meaningful connections, and an engaging learning environment. Now let's join Jen as she learns about welding, go-karts, and accelerating startups with her guest, Kevin Dahl. Jen, the mic is yours. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Leaders, Innovators, and Big Ideas podcast, supported by Rainforest Alberta. My name is Jen Morrison, and I am the lead learning designer and strategist with Inception U here in Calgary. And today, I have a really amazing and cool and fun person that I'm going to be speaking to, who I'm sure you all know. And if you don't know Kevin, you will get to know him because he's very embedded in the the innovation ecosystem system here in Alberta. So Kevin Dahl is a co-director of Plug and Play with Lindsay Smiley, who is actually not able to be here with us today. But Kevin and I are going to have a really fun, authentic and meaningful conversation about the work that they are doing at Plug and Play. And also we're going to get to know Kevin on a little bit of a personal level as well. So Kevin, I want to welcome you to the podcast. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Great. So I'm wondering if we let's just start with like a really general introduction, Kevin, on a really high level. Can you just walk us through, you know, your experience in the ecosystem, you know, different very, you know, roles you've had over the years and what you're up to now? Because we're going to dig into those a little bit more. But can you just set the context in the stage for us? Absolutely. Yeah, we'll, we'll jump in the way back machine. So I'll, I'll rewind back to, you know, I guess when when I really got started working in the community here in Calgary. So I've been out here in Calgary now for about 18 years, give or take a few months. I'm originally from Saskatchewan, born in Swift Current, grew up in Saskatoon and and actually jumped in and kind of launched my first startup in Saskatoon before moving out here to Calgary. Over the last 18 years, I've really been, been sort of lucky and blessed to be part of this innovation community because I got kind of involved in the innovation community Pretty early on when I moved out here, I, I had, well, I opened up a restaurant, but that, that's not really the innovation community. But I also had a few small startups along the way. And, and then I had an opportunity to really get plugged in when I took on a role with Calgary Technologies, Inc. Many years ago, helping to build, grow and connect the, the in the innovation community. You know, for the, the rest of my, my time here, I've spent a lot of time on, on both the entrepreneur side of the table. As I mentioned, I, I've had a few of my own startups. I've been an early employee in some startups. I've joined some scaling companies and, and really helped them grow and expand globally. And then on the other side of the table, I, I've been a community supporter. So as I mentioned, you know, many years ago, working at uh, Calgary Technologies, Inc., doing a lot of work in, in sort of community and connecting. And then more recently, I, I had the opportunity to work with Platform Calgary, doing a lot of entrepreneur mentoring, coaching, and also helping to launch some some new programs that really supported early stage entrepreneurs in Calgary and, and even beyond, I guess, you know, really across all of Alberta. You know, throughout all of my entrepreneurial endeavors, I, I've really been, you know, finding myself always in between the customer and our internal teams. And it, it's interesting because I didn't plan for my ter- my career to really go that way, but every role that I took on, I, I found you know that that's where I would wind up. And I, I think now you know being able to look back, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. That's really a, a great fit for for me and kind of who I am and, and what I do, because I, I love working with people, understanding their needs, their challenges, you know, what they they sort of are missing to be able to succeed, and then being able to work with my own internal team to to address that and to 
bring solutions forward or bring options forward, make connections to, to really help enable those customers or those, those stakeholders to, to grow and improve. So, you know, I, I can say that every role that I have been in since I've graduated university has ultimately, it, it didn't start with me directly between customers and an internal team. It's where it ended. And uh, even here in my role at Plug and Play, I am, you know, as one of the two directors here, I find myself constantly jumping between, you know, meetings with our corporate partners, meetings with co-investors, and meetings with our startups, and really trying to bring those groups together to, to create value. So it's been a pervasive element of my career and still something that I'm doing every day here at Plug and Play. Well, I love that. Number one, I think it's also really cool that you <laughs> that you were partnering in a restaurant years ago and, you know, have been involved in all of these different pieces that it's almost like a puzzle as it comes together over time. And as we get, you know, more experience in industry, whether it's in the same industry or not, but, you know, I love that you you are involved in work and have been for many years that is diverse and you seem to be doing things that you know allow you to tap into that side of you that is clearly a seeker and an explorer and someone that really values connection so building on that piece have those qualities always been something that have been innately a part of who you are. I mean, thinking back to when you when you were young, would you consider yourself a child, whether it's in elementary, middle school, or high school, as someone who was really naturally curious and was someone who brought people together? And you know, the people that loved you the most back then, how would they have described you? So it's I guess it's a two-part question, but really thinking back to those innate qualities within yourself. Do you wanna do you wanna tell me a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah. You know, I think back when I was a child, you know, was I curious? Did I have a curious mind? Absolutely. You know, seeker and explorer, maybe? I, I think they probably all go hand in hand. I, I think the, the biggest thing that I've really, you know, seen in, in my you know lifetime and growing up was that, that curiosity. You know, anytime I saw something whether it was a computer, because I'm old enough to remember when my friend got his first computer in early high school. I also, even going further back, I, I remember as a kid, there was a, a friend that their parents bought them a, a go-kart. And I thought, hey, that's really cool. I bet I could build that. And, you know, my dad had this this wonderful, you know, shop that included, you know, welders, and scrap metal. And so, you know, I, I told my parents, you know, hey, I really want to make a go-kart. And they said, yeah, that's, that's nice. You know, that sounds interesting. And a couple of weeks later, after I'd started welding together what ultimately became a frame, I think my parents, especially my dad, realized, okay, I better get involved here because he's actually going to build something. And if it's not built right, he can really hurt himself. So, you know, my parents definitely can, can speak to that. And, and even, you know, looking forward to today or, or looking, you know, currently today, I, I think that that curious mind is something that sticks with me because whether it's meeting a new startup and, and really trying to understand like, okay, how does this work? Whether it's the technology or the business model, you know, I love diving in, rolling up my sleeves and, and really getting getting into the weeds and, and understanding how things work. And I think in, in the roles that I've held you know, throughout my career, the ones that I've enjoyed the most are the ones where there's a certain element of that curiosity. You know, I, I'm not one of those people that can just be handed a, a standard operating procedures book and just execute. That's, that's not me. I'm the kind of person who thrives in roles where you know, we, we, we understand what the North Star is or what the big goal is that we're all trying to achieve, but it's up to me or up to my team to figure out what we need to do to execute to actually achieve that. That's what I love. And, and so that curious mindset and that, you know, ability and, and I guess drive to explore and to say, you know, what if we tried this or, you know, what would happen if we thought about this a little bit differently are things that I, I, I just find myself doing. And I think that in, in the roles where I've had the most success, that's really been embraced and, and that's been required for, for the role. Absolutely. And thank you for sharing that story about building the go-kart i mean how old were you when when the, i'm curious because you're welding and you're doing all this stuff where you're having to to figure it out i mean how old were you when that was was happening i i just think that's so cool that you figured out how to do that yeah i 
I'm pretty sure I was 10 or 11. I think it started when I was 10 and probably continued on. And, you know, the, I, I think this is where, you know, my dad was, you know, in the trades, he, he worked a, as an auto body repairman. So, you know, always around cars, we, we always had, you know, there was a, an old, we actually still have it today, a 1967 El Camino that my parents, you know, got married in all those years ago. That vehicle sat in our backyard and was something that my dad and I ultimately wound up working on. But before that, we, you know, he would show me and, and teach me, you know, how to weld, how to use a grinder, how to be safe while welding and using grinders. And so, you know, that, that ability to kind of tinker and explore and try new things was something that, you know, I just love to do as a, as a kid. And, and like I said, with the go-kart, you know, my parents kind of said, oh, that, that's, that's interesting. You know, here's, you know, I think we, we found some plans, you know, at the library or, or we had some plans. I remember they were, they were on, you know, very sort of old paper. I think they were originally from the 60s, go-kart plans. And, you know, I, I think my parents honestly thought, you know, this is a, this is a phase, you know, Kevin will move on to the next shiny object and, you know, we won't actually have to build this go-kart. But after I, I got out there and, you know, started putting together the beginnings of a frame, I think my, my dad recognized, hey, wait a minute, he doesn't really know how to weld that good yet. And that frame needs to be solid so nobody gets hurt. And so they, you know, jumped back in and, and helped me out with it. Oh, that's amazing. What a cool story. Whatever happened to that go-kart? It did, is it still in existence or would you know where it ended up? <laughs> I mean, it was a long, it was a long time ago at this point, but like what it, whatever happened to the go-kart? Yeah. So it, it's funny you ask that. So my dad, you know, definitely, you know, still he's retired now, but still is very handy and a lot of tools and he loves to tinker. And so I was home. I want to say it was just before COVID. It might've been sort of the first opportunity we had to travel during COVID. But I remember, you know, going out and we were, we're kind of moving around a few things and there were a couple pieces of, of scrap metal that, I kind of saw and I said, Dad, is that is that part of the go-kart? And he said, Yeah, you know, I've gotten rid of this piece and that piece and you know the things that stopped working. But there were still a, a couple pieces that I recognized in sort of the um, in the scrap metal that uh, that still were that, that were recognizable as part of the go-kart. So unfortunately it is not still around today. And I think even those scrap pieces of metal, we we wound up getting rid of those because at some point, you know, I, I'm not going to keep the scrap metal so that I can build a go-kart with my kids in 10 years. But, you know, it, it was something that it did, you know, I used it. I'm, I'm the oldest brother of three, or sorry, oldest of three brothers. And so my, I, I had the go-kart for a while. And as I got older and grew out of it, my younger brothers both got to, to use it and, and have fun with it. And, and then ultimately, I think as we all kind of grew up, it started collecting dust. And my dad said, well, you know, we don't, I, you know, he's not going to drive it around. So we wound up kind of parting it out and, and getting rid of some of it where we could. Oh, what a, what a neat story. And plus two, I mean, you know, even if it was taken apart, what a memory to kind of pop up for you, you know, with being at the house and recognizing that did it bring up some visceral memories for you as well? I mean, at least for me, you know, when I when I come across things, I think my mom recently gave, <laughs> recently gave me this box with all of my old report cards and you know, stuff that I drew in grade one and it was neat. And I don't know, it, it, there's memories that pop up. Did you experience that obviously with the, with the scrap metal, those pieces? Yeah, I, I did. And, and it's funny you mentioned sort of the box from the parents because I too recently got a box from my parents of things that I had thought had been long gone from my childhood. So there's a, yeah, a few little art pieces and uh, there's a picture of me driving the go-kart that my parents had that I didn't know even existed. So it was, it was kind of cool to have that, that memory. And then, yeah, you know, seeing, seeing the scrap metal, definitely, you know, the, I think the first question that probably jumped into the back of my mind was, hey, wait a minute, maybe I could salvage that and build another go-kart with my kids. But I've got two daughters and they have no interest in building go-karts, I don't think. So, you know, I, I quickly dismissed that. But that's a sort of, you know, I, I love to tinker. I love to build. And whether that's building something physical or, you know, building teams or, or building software, 
anything where there's a problem you're trying to solve, I, I just it, it makes me always get excited. Well, I, I and it's so fun to explore, you know, people that I talk to where they can share a little bit about, you know, their experiences growing up or where they're from in the world. And I always, always find that there are these parallels between who we are innately as children and, you know, when we're doing work that we are really excited about and, you know, um, you know, having an impact, there's always a connection between the two with, you know, the things that we love to do as kids and, you know, the work that we're doing now. So on that note, so, you know, earlier you talked a little bit about your professional journey and, you know, you've had a lot of different roles and, you know, whether it is, you know, (laughs) owning a restaurant, but you seem to have been pretty consistently you know, in the innovation ecosystem, as as you said, for 18 years here in, in Calgary specifically. I want to ask about that journey in regards to key learnings. And I'm sure there are many. I don't think you could probably even just pick one necessarily. But are there any particular highlights for you, you know, in the last 18 years that were really significant in your journey and impacted the work that you're doing now? What comes to mind for you? Yeah, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, throughout my career, I've, I've been, as I kind of said earlier, I've, I've been very lucky to, to kind of grow up along with the, the innovation community here in Calgary, because I, I really think when I first got engaged, you know, like I said, I moved to Calgary about 18 years ago, it took me a couple of years to really get engaged in the, the, the ecosystem here. And, and I think that at that time, there was some excitement building around the, the community there was a, a small but growing team or small small but growing community of, of people that wanted to see, you know, the, the startup success and sort of tech success happen in Calgary. And, you know, throughout that journey, there, there's been, you know, a lot of evolution, a lot of growth, a lot of change within the, the innovation community. And, and I think that the one maybe constant or, or the one thing that I think would be worth talking about would be around the... The fact that, you know, when we talk about startups or we talk about, you know, building something, it, it usually takes a village. It's it's not the, the success of a startup is not necessarily determined on just the individual founders or even the early employees, but it's it's about the community that rallies around to support them. And that would include everybody from customers to, you know, government partners, funders, investors, etc. So I think that 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 element of community and that element of connection is something that's been really really important throughout my career and i think that's what's kind of led me towards you know some of the roles that I, i've taken on throughout the years it, it's not so much about you know seeing a job application online and, and thinking i'm going to apply for this it's more about talking with people and having people say to me hey kevin have you heard about this I, I heard about this opportunity and it seems like you'd be the perfect fit. Or I actively, you know, know somebody or know of a company or an organization that is looking for someone and, and through my network I, I actually have a direct connection. And I think, you know, whether you look at it from a personal employment or or sort of personal, you know, startup career perspective, or if you look at it from, you know, a company and an ecosystem perspective. That's the one thing that I think Calgary has that that is our sort of secret sauce or secret weapon or superpower or whatever whatever we want to call it. You know, when we look at you know how is is Calgary, how is Alberta going to really create a, a, a globally competitive ecosystem community that that allows us to punch above our weight? I think that it is the fact that we we do have a very tight knit community. We have people in the community that value their connections value their reputation and, and, and really value working together. And that's something that as I've had roles that allow me to explore other ecosystems and get to meet people in, in other cities and other regions, you, know, you don't necessarily see the same sort of connectivity, the, the same sort of focus on, you know, being part of the community and, and trying to, you know, help support that community. And, and I think if we look at what the rainforest is all about, right, it's really about that social contract. And I think that that's something that we're really excelling at. And and I think that's something that even before the rainforest and the social contract was sort of a, a thing here in Alberta, there were several people in the community that were embracing that way of thinking. And, you know, I was lucky enough to meet them and to also share in, in that sort of approach. So I think that that 
in, in a sort of long-winded way would be one of the key things that I would kind of share. Yeah. And your insights are so valuable and I, I couldn't agree more. And it's interesting when you become immersed in something where it is natural or second nature for it to just be that way. You know, like we're talking about, you know, the the connectivity and the sort of ecosystem approach here in Alberta, you know, not just on business, but really truly among all of the facets that contributed to the growth of that ecosystem. And from my perspective, it almost is like, well, isn't this the way it is everywhere? And I think it's interesting that you bring up, you know, you've had experiences in different places around the world where that isn't there. And so we are really fortunate, I feel, to have that already at the baseline of the growth of this this sector. So thank you for for talking about that. I want to ask you a little bit about, you know, we're going to dig into plug and play a little bit, but you know, when I when I hear you talking and you're telling me about all of these things that you've done and and whether it's, you know, successes or challenges or <laughs> failures whatever that is, you've had a really interesting journey and I often think to myself, holy moly, like am I good enough to be talking to this person or my imposter comes up? And and I think that, you know, talking about that feeling that can creep up for all of us, you know, because we're all human is really important. So I'm curious about your thoughts on, and I don't know if you want to use the term imposter or not, but maybe that self-doubt that can creep in, particularly in this, you know, sector where there's so much innovation and things move and change so quickly. What is that like for you? I mean, do you, do you feel that come into your brain sometimes in the work that you're doing? And, you know, what would be any thoughts or suggestions that you would put out there to anybody listening on how to navigate maybe that self-doubt or imposter that can creep in sometimes? I mean, I'd be lying if I, I said it, it didn't creep in, you know, on a fairly regular basis. And, and I think it's a, a good thing and it can be a very healthy thing. Because to me, you know, if you're, if you're in a comfortable role or situation and you're not trying new things, and you're really just doing things that you know you're good at, then yeah, there's there's no opportunity for sort of that imposter syndrome to, to kind of creep into your mindset. Whereas if you are constantly doing new things, meeting new people, taking on new roles, trying new, you know, whether it's launching a new startup, or whether it's putting yourself out there into a new environment. I feel like it, in sort of the modern entrepreneurial world, if you're not pushing the envelope and constantly trying new things, then you're, you're kind of, you're stagnating. And if you're stagnating, you're actually moving backwards because the rest of the world is, is moving ahead without you. So, so I think it's a really good thing. And, and absolutely, you know, I, you know, it, just thinking to myself, you know, one, one of the things when I took on this role with plug and play that I really thought about was, you know, a lot of what we do at Plug and Play is work with corporate innovators. We, we work with large established businesses to help them be more innovative and to help them, you know, envision a future, you know, maybe beyond sort of the typical business planning horizons and, and envision themselves in that future. So we're talking 10, 15, 20 plus years into the future. What is their business going to look like? And for me, you know, I've spent most of my career on the other side, actually working with startups and building and growing and scaling companies. So, you know, I, I, I talked with a lot of people on the team here at Plug and Play in our headquarters and, and said, you know, guys, like I, you know, I'm not sure. Do I, do I know what, should I say these things? Is this okay? You know, that, that imposter started getting me questioning, you know, my next steps, which was something I haven't experienced in a little while. But the beauty of it is that, you know, for me, and I think this is holds true in a lot of different situations. But for me in this situation specifically, one of one of my colleagues said, well, you know, Kevin, you know, corporate innovators, they don't want to talk to other corporate innovators. They don't want to pe- talk to people who have been doing the same thing they've been doing for the last, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years. They want to talk to people who have been out there in the startup world, building something new, you know, bringing new solutions to the market. They want to. They want to be more like startups. They want to behave more like you and and your experiences. So so just be you. And and I think that was that was sort of my aha moment that said, okay, no, I, I got this. You know, I, I don't need to to continue kind of letting this imposter thinking pervade my mind. And I think it's the same for other people. If, if you actually you know look at it and. and it, you know, my situation, you're working with corporates coming from a startup world. But if you look at really any situation out there, if you 
are trying something new, it, you you always have some experiences that you're bringing to the table. And I think that, you know, as, as, as people, we need to make sure that we keep that in mind. And, and if you are feeling like, you know, okay, I don't have enough experience or I don't have the skills, you know, in the world that we live in today, skills and abilities and, and sort of your, your experiences are, are absolutely important, but, you know, your previous experience and, and your, I guess, baseline of, you know, knowledge, education, and your sort of inherent skills that, that you have as a human are very important and can oftentimes, you know, be that, that jumping off point that allows you to very quickly learn, grow and adapt and be successful. It's so interesting how for so many of us, we forget all of those things that we've done before and can go into this mindset of, I don't know anything or I'm, you know, brand new to everything. And, you know, at, with people that we work with, whether it is the business to business side at Inception U or the learners in our cohorts, you know, I often will say you're not brand new baby chickens. Like you, <laughs> you've got experience and you've done things and you, you've accomplished things. So I really appreciate your, your lens on that. And I want to ask more about plug and play now, because you know, you and Lindsay, I think the last time I talked to you, uh, like you really stepped into that role or those roles, the both of you early in 2021. So what I'm wondering if you can do right now is tell me about the the journey to, you know, finding your way, I guess, or the opportunity that came about with plug and play and tell me why it's a great fit. Like, why do you love what you're doing there? And, and I guess I know Lindsay's not here, but if you have anything to share from her perspective, that would be cool as well. So yeah, tell me about how you found your way to plug and play and what are you really enjoying about your work there so far? For sure. I, I actually met plug and play way back in 2007 when I was down in Silicon Valley, I got invited to an event. I was visiting. I have never lived there, just for the record. But I was visiting Silicon Valley and got invited to a a wine and cheese event that was being put on at uh, Plug and Play. So I had actually kind of known Saeed, our CEO and founder, and a few other people on the team from from back then. I can't say that over the fifteen years between you know then and now, I kept in very close contact, but definitely had uh, had, had crossed paths a few times there after originally meeting. But the opportunity really came up for me and, and kind of reconnecting with Plug and Play when I was at Platform Calgary. And in 2020, the Alberta government launched the Scale Up and Gap program, so Scale Up Growth Accelerator program, where the, the intent was to leverage some, some government dollars to attract global accelerators into our province. And, and I think, you know, uh, Alberta Innovates and, and sort of the team, uh, I think, was very forward thinking in this in terms of looking at where the, the ecosystem, the community was and asking themselves, what can we do to help the community take that next step forward? And I think bringing some of the global players, so you know, ultimately Plug and Play was selected along with SVG Thrive, 500 Global, Community Safety Wellness Accelerator, and then there was a pre-accelerator that uh, Innovate Edmonton and uh, Platform Calgary launched as well. So, so all of those organizations I just mentioned and ourselves kind of launched towards the end of last year and at the beginning of, of this year. And through my role at Platform last year, I actually had the opportunity to work with all of the accelerators that were considering coming to Alberta. Because at, at Platform, we really wanted to be that sort of soft landing point. We wanted to be a partner and a collaborator with any and all of the accelerators that were going to come in and open up shop in Alberta. And through those connections, you know, obviously the conversation with Plug and Play kind of took off. And, uh, you know, I found myself, you know, taking on this role of, of co-director. So I, I left Platform and December of last year, and we launched here in in Alberta in January of 2021. Or sorry, uh, January of 2022. Uh, sorry, I've got my dates mixed up. For some reason, I, I think I said 2020 earlier. It was 2021. I got my dates mixed up too. I I literally was. <laughs> I, I don't know why. I'm like Jen. It's not the summer. It's we're stepping into fall now. Anyway, I got mixed up with even the amount of time that has passed in 2022. So sorry about that. Anyway, continue. <laughs> no, 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 that's all right. Yeah. So, so we launched the program and we really launched the office, I should say here on January 10th of, of this year, 2022. So we've been going for just over nine months and Lindsay and myself, as we talked about earlier, are co-directors. So she is leading our digital health program. 
I am leading our sector agnostic program that really focuses on and around AI, artificial intelligence, and machine learning. And then we're co-leading our clean resources and sustainability program, which, as you can imagine, being here in Alberta, there's a lot of, of different players that we're engaging with on that program. So it's great that the two of us are involved there. So we, we currently have a team of nine people. So there's seven in Calgary, two up in Edmonton. And we, we launched our first programming back in March of, of this year. Our programs are, are typically run in spring and the fall. And the duration kind of runs from March through till the end of May or early June, depending on the date. And we, we were, you know, very rapidly, you know, when we started January 10th, we very rapidly got our office set up. We got our team set up. We got ourselves ramped up and we launched our first program there in March. So first program was a, a, a big success. We had 39 startups that, that came through our three programs. We had our first expo day that we, we ran at the end of May last year, just ahead of InVentures. And I think for me, you know, the, the last nine months has really been sort of a lot of confirmation of what I was expecting, but also a lot of unexpected things in terms of, you know, how plug and play can cannot just kind of fit into the ecosystem here in Alberta, but also how we can, you know, work with other players to, to create value. So we, we've got some great corporate partners that we've signed up over the last nine months that are now actively engaged in our program. And, and that's really important as well, because ultimately, through our accelerator program, we're, we're really trying to connect those those corporate so established enterprises that are looking for startups. They're, they're looking and they're, they're using open innovation to bring in startups to solve some of their internal challenges. That's really the, the magic. That's the model that plug and play brings. And so I, I think over the, this, these last nine months, we've really been able to very quickly get those startups engaged in our program and, and also get the corporates, which with those two elements working together, that's, uh, that's our recipe for magic. Well, uh, my gosh, I mean, there's been a lot that's been happening <laughs> this year. That's <laughs> a lot. And it's so exciting. And, you know, I think it's such a great representation of how you have to just hop on the train and you go, you know, and it seems to me like you've really hit the ground running the two of you, Lindsay, leading that team. Anyone specifically, because you mentioned there's nine people on the team, who makes up the team? And, you know, what are the roles that they're doing to help make these programs happen and function for the startups that are applying to join you during those experiences? I always think it's really cool to find out, you know, who and you don't have to use names specifically if you if you're if you don't want to but you know what is who makes up the team i mean you know these programs you know and and the functioning of the business doesn't just happen with you and lindsay you know there's other people who are you know supporting that anyone or any sort of piece that you'd like to highlight about the team and and how they're contributing to making plug and play in alberta a really successful series of programs yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, I'd love to talk about my team because I think we've got some rock stars working with us here at Plug and Play. So I'll, I'll maybe start on, on the digital health team. So so obviously, Lindsay is the, the sort of director for that program. Niall Kerrigan. And we have... So Niall is, is kind of working in a, a dual role. So Niall Kerrigan, Jacob Granger are sort of our, our two main people running the program. So Niall and Jacob are filling both the program manager role, which is really focused around our accelerator, making sure that we're creating a ton of value for our startups. And they're also both tag teaming the ventures role. And our ventures team is, is really where we make our investments from. So our, our ventures team are the ones that are out there meeting with startups, evaluating startups, doing due diligence, and, and looking at not just whether or not we can invest in these companies, but also are they a good fit for our accelerator program. So those three are really leading the, the digital health program. When we look at the sector agnostic program, I've got a couple of great team members up in Edmonton here. So Brady, uh, Brady Bailey is our program manager. And Ismail Khalil is our, our ventures lead for the sector agnostic program. And I'm the director. So the three of us are really focused on, you know, making sure that we're tapping into all of the best and brightest startups that are using AI and machine learning to kind of enable unique and, and really, you know, globally competitive products and services. And then when we look at our sustainability team, there's myself and Lindsay as directors. We have Kristen Coons, who's our program manager. And Catherine Smith, who is heading up Ventures for Sustainability. So again, there's four of us that are kind of working on that program. 
And then we do have one more person that is not necessarily tied to a specific program, but Nina Hill, who is our manager of corporate partnerships. So she is the one who really is working with corporate partners across all three programs to understand you know, their needs, their interests, where they're at on their innovation journey, and how we can potentially work with them through plug and play. So that's our, our local team. Now, I'd be remiss if I didn't also mention that there are, and I won't name all of these people because there's far too many to name here on the call. It'd probably take me 10 minutes just to go through the list. But we've got a ton of people that, that support us from not just our, our Silicon Valley head office, but also some of the different offices around the world. So just to give you sort of an example, well, I guess to, to kind of explain the Silicon Valley connection and give you an example, we operate kind of under a hub and spoke model where we're very tapped into what's happening down in Silicon Valley. Obviously, that's where our headquarters are. And you know, for a lot of our startups and, and for a lot of the, the corporate partners that we work with, that connection into Silicon Valley is very important because... You know, I won't get into it on the call here today, but Silicon Valley is is a very unique place where, you know, deals get done very quickly. And also, you know, from a corporate innovation perspective, you have some of the world's sort of most forward thinking corporates that are really engaged and, and have really shown that that open innovation model can create unfair advantages for their enterprises. So what we are working to do a lot of the time is, is leverage some of our connections in Silicon Valley to create value for our startups and for our corporate partners. But then another example is that we have an event coming up next week up in Edmonton that is focused around hydrogen. We're actually holding a hydrogen innovation day. And we, we have a hydrogen program that runs in Hamburg, Germany. So we're going to be having some people from our team in Germany actually talking about their program, what they're doing there, and we're bringing together some local ecosystem players to talk about you know, how this program and, and how what we're doing in Germany could be something that could be leveraged here in Alberta to create value for the hydrogen ecosystem in, in the province as well. Wow, that, that web of connections is fascinating, and I can really see and appreciate you know, why people and startups and companies would be drawn to what Plug and Play is doing. And I think it's really cool, just based on what I understand, that the programs, you know, not just the programs that are running. I mean, obviously, there's, you know, the work that you're doing with the business and the venture side, but the programs that are here in Alberta through Plug and Play seem to be very targeted to the needs of like our local sector. And it sounds like the programs are, you know, a little bit different in all the plug and play locations around the world. And am, am I correct? Yeah, we, we do have 19 different sort of verticals that we operate in globally. And I, I think the, the reason why you're seeing a good tie-in to some of our strengths in the province is that that was by design. So our team worked very closely with Alberta Innovates to identify, you know, what are the three programs that we would like to see launched here in Alberta? And you know, that really ensured or, or kind of had that, that tie-in baked into what we were doing before we even launched the office here. And, and I think that that really has set us up for some, some rapid success because we looked at, and when I say we, I wasn't involved quite yet, but the team and Alberta Innovates looked at what are the best opportunities where we can leverage our natural strengths that we have here in Alberta and how do we align those to the plug and play programs and the result are the three data that we talked about earlier. Oh, that's amazing. So I want to ask a little bit, it sounds to me, I mean, you mentioned the Expo Day that happened for batch one, I think is how it's referred to, of the programs. And when I was looking on the website, I mean, there's a ton of startups there, and I would encourage anybody and we'll talk, we'll give you all the resources later, but definitely go to the Plug and Play Alberta website and check out these startups that were part of these programs. But wondering if you can just talk about the sort of process of application. I mean, if there is a company or an entrepreneur that is interested in participating in the programs specifically, I mean, I know you can apply online, but I'm just wondering if you can speak to anything that you're looking for through that process of application. I mean, what kind of characteristics or traits or values is plug and play looking for? I mean, I, I can imagine there's quite a few applications that come in. So do you want to just speak to that process of determining who becomes part of the programs and why they're selected? 
you know what, this, this is where it, if it's possible from a technical perspective, if we can put like a, a bookmark or a pin so people can jump right to this part and, and listen to it, I think this is probably the most important thing that I like to talk about when it comes to plug and play is our selection process because it is so different than anything else that I have seen out there in, in the industry. So, you know, I've been the entrepreneur applying to an accelerator or an incubator. And, and ultimately, most accelerators and incubators are making, you know, well-educated guesses at what, what types of startups will succeed, what industry, what sector, what technology, what trends, you know, what, what, you know how are they going to grow. With plug and play, we, we flip that kind of on its head. And our entire selection process is actually driven by our corporate partners. So we don't try to guess what types of solutions industry might be looking for. We work with industry and they tell us where they have prioritized either, you know, budget for pilots, proof of concepts, et cetera, or where they've identified a challenge within their business that they have prioritized and wanting and, and really made that, uh, that, that sort of commitment that they're trying to solve it. So they're the ones who drive our selection process. And, and, you know, we just held our selection days the last week of August. And, and really, that's the culmination of our selection. So selection day is where we invite the short list of, of companies to come. They get an opportunity to do their three or four minute presentation. And our, our selection committee, which includes our corporate partners, are the ones who actually vote and decide who gets into our program. But our selection process starts about two and a half to three months prior when we start working with corporate partners to understand, you know, where are those priority areas that they want to invest in and, and to really look at doing pilots and proof of concepts in. We then take those tech challenges or, or those areas of interest. We leverage our global network, which is, you know, 800 people in 50 plus offices around the world to go out and find the best startups that are solving those problems. We actively invite them to participate in our programs. Now here in Alberta, we also have an open call. So startups can go to our website at any time and apply to our programs, which is also really good because what we do there is we'll take a look at your startup. We'll take a look at your application if it looks like you're you're building something really interesting and promising and to be blunt, you know, like game changing, we're, we're not looking for incremental changes here. We're looking for startups that are going to disrupt the industry. We'll get you into our network, into our sort of sphere where, you know, when our corporate partners come to us, maybe this fall, it may be next spring, it may be next fall. If your startup is a fit for where they are looking to invest, then we'll invite you into our program. So it's really driven by the, the corporate tech interests and challenges, which, again, if you start from that point, everything else that moves forward is all about you know, addressing those needs. And it allows us to create very meaningful connections through our program. And those connections are through you know, our, our program managers, through our ventures team. And it's really about getting you as a startup plugged in to the corporates that have chosen you to be in this program. So it, it can create a lot of impact. And you know, if we look at our first batch, as I mentioned earlier, from this spring, we had 39 companies that participated. You know, We've had, I, I, I won't get into all the, the specific details, but we have double digit number of pilots that are in discussions between those companies and our corporate partners. And, and that's a really great number right out of the gates. That's typically a, a number that we would see from a program that's been running for three to five years. So we're really excited to see that level of interest and, and buy-in from all the players in Alberta as we just launched the office here nine months ago. Wow. Well, that's really exciting. And I think really cool. I mean, I love the the, the sort of saying flipping it on its head. I mean, you know, you don't have to none of us actually have to do things as they were done before, I think, to create change or to create the conditions for success or to create change. You have to design something that makes sense for the context. So I love that idea of bringing in those corporate partners and them really be being integrated into the process, not just determining, you know, who who's accepted into the program, but it's really about impact, like you were talking about. So on that topic of partners, I mean, there's, I think, over 400 that are, you know, technically partners of plug and play, how, how does a business if they're not, you know, 
part of the partner world with plug and play. How do they become a partner? Can you talk me through that? Absolutely. Our corporate partners typically come to us when they are looking for ways to to really accelerate some of their their innovation activities. So we we work with essentially, you know, innovation groups and business units within large enterprises to help them address their tech challenges through startups. And I guess that's that's probably as simply or as much as I can distill it down into kind of a one or two line statement. But ultimately, that's what we bring. You know, we have tens of thousands of startups in our playbook, which is our, our internal sort of deal flow management software that we use to, to track all of our startup engagements. We've got over 1,500 portfolio companies that we've actively put money in and, and they are you know, looking for, for corporate partners and you know, pilots proof of concepts. And, and the magic and the, the strength that we bring is that global network. So you know, oftentimes corporate partners will come to us and say, you know, we, we've got a great finger on the pulse of the startup community, maybe here in Alberta. But what we're really worried about is, you know, is there a technology in Japan or Germany or Spain that is going to, you know, effectively you know, negate any opportunity, you know, that this company in Alberta might have, you know, is there a technology out there that is going to essentially leapfrog what what we may be seeing in Alberta? And so through working with plug and play, we can first and foremost, let them know if there is another technology on the other side of the world. But when there's not, it's a great validation, a great data point that oftentimes, even if it's not a company we've introduced them to, it allows our corporate partner to move forward and to to really say, you know what, yes, we are going to move ahead with a pilot or a proof of concept because we now have the sort of de-risking factor uh, that we we know that there isn't some technology that's going to render this obsolete in six months, just waiting to be launched on the other side of the world. So for our corporate partners, it's very easy. You know, we we have myself, Lindsay, and Nina, who all are are working with corporate partners each and every day. In fact, uh, Lindsay and Nina are on their way down to Houston to meet with some partners that we have there that are you know great counterparts to some of the the people we've been speaking with in Calgary here. That's why Lindsay's not able to join here today. She's on an airplane. But you know, our our corporate partners, we we're always available to chat. We'd love to to sort of tell our story, tell our journey of, of how plug and play you know got to where we are you know starting in 2006 to where we are today in 2022 and it really just starts with a, a phone call and a conversation well there you go I, I mean just based on what you've said whether it is a startup that is interested in applying for one of the programs or an organization that would love to partner it really seems from my perspective and based on what you're saying that it is grounded in meaningful connection and an impact so thank you for telling me about you know those two facets of the business. Um, On that note, like just with what you've been telling me throughout this whole conversation, and I always say, (laughs) I wish I had two hours to talk to, you know, the people that I that I interview. But you know, this has been a big, I mean, obviously, through the pandemic, we've all been you know, navigating a lot of different constraints and challenges and having to innovate and shift how we're functioning, how we're running the business and how we're engaging with each other. And it sounds to me like this last year, especially has been a really significant area of growth for you as an individual. And so I'm wondering, you know, if you can tell me about something that you've had to either unlearn or shift in perspective. I'm I'm not sure if that makes sense, but you know, when we when we're in an environment where we're learning a lot and we're, you know, diving into things that are new, I really feel like there's unlearning that needs to happen, especially to create more space for us to go beyond where we think we can. So is there something that you want to talk about that you recognize you had to unlearn in order to do the work or, you know, engage in a really effective way. Does that make sense, Kevin? I I guess I'm just wondering, is there something that you had to shift with how you were looking at it over the last year? I think the one thing that jumps to mind, and and I think that this is is hyper relevant because, well, a couple things, and, and I know we haven't talked about this sort of on the 
on, on the podcast here today so far. But you know, I do have a, a startup that I, I was co-founder in. I am a co-founder in called Everywork, and you know that that startup was really focused on helping connect fractional you know, co-workers with different co-working spaces. So being able to have a one membership to be able to work out of a lot of different co-working spaces. And, and I think so coming from that lens of thinking, but also even, you know, with, with my work here at plug and play, I think one of the big things that I think COVID and sort of the post COVID world, if we can call it that, which is kind of funny to say, because I just had COVID for the second time about a month ago. So not, not really all that post COVID, but in this post COVID world, you know, having to unlearn some of the things that we learned over the, the three plus years that we were kind of in lockdown, that changed a lot, especially when you think about the way that we socialize, the way that we engage, and the way that we work. And I think over COVID, we, we all got into at least, you know, a lot of people I talked to, the, the mindset of, you know, I can roll out of bed at 730 or eight, whatever, whatever time you want to sleep until, and I can immediately jump on calls and I can go back to back to back for the next eight, nine, maybe 10 hours, you know, throw in a 15 minute break so I can grab some food and then I'll eat it during my next meeting. That sort of way of thinking and getting into rapid fire conversations versus something that I think I understood and, and was fairly well, well skilled at before COVID. And, and I'm having to kind of relearn, or, or I guess in your terms, kind of unlearn what I've been doing for the last three years, which is taking time for those social connections, for those personal connections in real time. And, and I think that throughout COVID, it's not just about, you know, going to networking events again and, and meeting new people. It comes down to even, you know, working with teammates, just taking the time, building the time into your day to actually get to know people, your colleagues, customers, you know, people in the community. It's so important because as I start to go back out to networking events and as we are now returning to the office for three days a week and we're, we're able to go to networking events again, I feel like there's a bit of that awkward dance when you're, you're reconnecting with someone you haven't seen in a long time because of COVID or even when you're engaging with your team in person in the office where you've spent the last you know, six months, a year, three years, whatever it may be of working online you know, re relearning the fact that it's it's very important to take the time to connect personally when you are in person. I think that's something that uh, that I'm recognizing is different and unique and and needs to be thought about and and that we need to be more intentional in in doing so and in, in those activities now that we are going back to in person. Absolutely, and I would encourage everyone maybe to to pause our conversation or just take some time to think about what Kevin just shared in regards to that, taking the time to continue to build those relationships, because the last couple of years, and I agree, Kevin, like it's been, it's been so different. And there's been these moments in the last, I don't know, six months where I find myself physically recognizing, or just feeling it viscerally within myself, oh my gosh, I... I have to do this differently, or it's a very conscious thing. So it's so fascinating that you talked about that. And I really agree with what you shared in regards to, you know, unlearning what, what we've been doing in the last couple of years and, and shifting back to that genuine focus and care on, on connecting with people and building meaningful relationships. You know, I, I do want to, we're probably going to wrap things up here fairly shortly, but I would love for you to just talk about, you know, what's next for you. I mean, you can talk about it from the lens of Kevin as the person, you can talk about it as, you know, Kevin in the world of plug and play, but would love to hear, you know, what's coming down the pipe for you. And also like, what are you really excited about and looking forward to? Well, you know, as we mentioned earlier, you know, nine months into this role. So, well, I think we are starting to really get a feel and, and get into a good groove in terms of the, the plug and play programming itself. I think we, you know, we just kicked off our second batch last week. So we're, it's not like we've ran, you know, a dozen batches already and this is all, you know, kind of rinse and repeat. So I, I think here at plug and play, you know, we are still continuing to 
build relationships with other people in the ecosystem. And, and I think that, again, as we were just talking about, I'm really excited as we get into the fall. Everybody kind of knows after Labor Day, that's when now there's all sorts of in-person events happening. So really looking to you know, continue building relationships with some of the different organizations that uh, also play in the innovation community here in, in Alberta. And I think also looking forward to continuing to push the push the envelope with what plug and play is doing and how we're creating value in the community. So you know, we that's the beauty of the plug and play model is that we we do have sort of standard operating procedures that allow us to get up and running very quickly. And you know that includes through the support of our our headquarters and global offices, but also we have the flexibility to, you know, morph the program to, to have it be what it needs to, to really create value in Alberta, because the way that plug and play operates in Alberta, and I think I might've used this quote uh, last time when we, we spoke, you know, plug and play Alberta, what works here is going to be different than what works for plug and play Kyoto. And that's also different from what works at plug and play Hamburg. So each one of our, our offices has a standard operating procedures, a core business model and a core way that we create value. But at the end of the day, we also have the flexibility to, to do what we need to within market to really create value within the ecosystem. So I'm, I'm looking forward. I think we've had a lot of great partnerships that have kind of been established here in the first nine months. And I really think as we move through the fall here, we're going to continue building those bridges, building those connections and partnerships. And that's just going to mean that we have, you know, more startups that are taking advantage of our programs. We're going to have more startups that are doing pilots with our corporate partners. And we're going to be writing more checks, you know, doing more investing at the the seed, pre-seed stage. And uh, I really hope uh, another thing that we haven't really touched on and we haven't really taken full advantage of yet in the first nine months is the fact that Plug and Play also has global funds that are focused on specific industry sectors. So I'm really excited to be able to bring some of my colleagues into Alberta from these different industry sectors and really get them tapped into some of the amazing startups and scale-ups that we have that are growing right here in Alberta. Well, just based on what, <laughs> based on all of this, I feel like we need to bookmark a time for us to connect in a year, Kevin, and almost have like a follow-up conversation on the podcast here because, you know, what you're up to and the the things that you're doing are so exciting and and I really appreciate your mindset of always learning yourself. You really seem like someone who is really taking advantage of opportunities to dig in, to try things, to see what works and and it really, truly, from my perspective, seems like you care about impact in, in a way that is going to create meaningful change. So I just really want to celebrate you and thank you for this time that you've taken to have with me today to, to do this podcast. Do you want to share with our listeners how they can get in touch with you? What's the best way to find you? And is there any resources or websites you would encourage people to check out that you find interesting or could be helpful for them? I mean, in terms of connecting... Absolutely. You can check out our website. I believe my contact information is on the Plug and Play Alberta website. You can also connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm very active on LinkedIn. I have a lot of great conversations. In fact, some of the some of the best startups that I've met over the last nine months have started through connections on LinkedIn. So I'm always open to connect. And, uh, you know, I think I, I am a very easy person to convince to grab a coffee. So if if you've got something that you're working on that you think could be a fit for what we're doing with plug and play. Or if you think that there's an opportunity for collaboration, I, I'd love to grab a coffee and chat more. Well, that's awesome. And the plug and play website, from what I understand, is plug, the words plug and play techcenter.com slash Alberta. So for anyone that's listening, I encourage you to go to that website, check it out. There's so much great, amazing information on there. And also, if you want to connect with Kevin, you know, to talk about anything from entrepreneurship to, you know, the innovation ecosystem to even welding. I mean, maybe you're someone that wants to build a go-kart. Kevin might be your guy to go to. So Kevin, again, thank you for your time and for your willingness to just dig into this stuff with me. I want to end with reminding everybody to check in with yourself about what lights you up and uh, and get to work so have a fantastic day everybody make sure you connect with kevin and we will talk soon if you haven't already visit rainforestab.ca and sign the rainforest social contract 
Become part of the inclusive, silo-busting, sector-agnostic, all-industry, open-sourced, ego-shrinking, ecosystem-building, entrepreneur-focused, wide-open, social barrier-smashing community known as Rainforest Alberta. This episode was brought to you by New Idea Machine. We build great custom software while bridging the gap between education and experience. New Idea Machine makes your ideas real. Visit newideamachine.com for more info. Music for the show was created by Tony Deldegan. Please be sure to share this episode with everyone you know. Also, don't forget to come by and say hi at the next Rainforest event. Let us know what you think of this podcast. If you're interested in being either a host, sponsor, or a guest of the show, send me an email at rainforestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.